0: Welcome to the ACLP Student Podcast, a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians.
1: Good morning, my name is Cassidy Miller. I am the Community Outreach Director for the National Student Executive Board of ACOFP. This morning, I will be interviewing Dr. Biddy. He is the Assistant Dean of Clinical Curricular Integration and an Assistant Professor and the Vice Chair for Family Medicine Department of Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. He is also currently on the Board of Governors for ACOFP. Good morning, Dr. Biddy. Good morning. Dr. Biddy, why don't you outline your career path that led you to your current position? Okay.
0: Um, So a lot of it involves uh, PCOM. So so it's pretty succinct uh, going through it. So um, actually what happened was I I originally wanted to, um, when I was entering into medical school, I... I had done a bunch of research in microbiology, so I originally went thinking, "Oh, I'll I'll do infectious disease. It'll kind of be like a great blend of everything." And um, as I got into you know kind of my teaching, I really started migrating more towards primary care. And then the thing that finally put like the the nail in the coffin was I, when I was in the hospital. I discovered I really liked the outpatient world of family medicine, and I thought infectious disease probably with all the training and all those other things wouldn't be the way to go, and then um, I started pursuing primary care, and um, I pretty early on in my third year decided I'm going to do family medicine. And I actually went to a hospital day at my school. And randomly, I ran into the program director of where I ended up doing my residency. His his name's Dr. Becker. Um, And in a chance meeting, he was kind of like, hey, do you like family medicine? And I was like, I do. He was like, you should come to my program. And I was like, okay. Uh, And I ended up doing a, uh, uh, like an elective, you know, uh, at the at the at suburban, uh, it was called Mercy Suburban Hospital at the time, and uh, I did it there. And then I ended up doing my residency there. And what was kind of neat was the residency paired with PCOM. It was PCOM's family medicine residency, so we got to come back and teach as residents. So we would kind of work in the primary care skills realm, and I kind of fell in love with teaching. So when I graduated. I wanted to come back to the school and teach but there was no jobs open, so I went into private practice, Uh, we were owned by the hospital. um, And worked there for about a year, and then all of a sudden I was kind of working with the residents and a job opened up uh, and that same program director kind of like called me was like Pete there's a job apply, so I applied. And then uh, I ended up at PCOM as an instructor. So I would kind of see patients in our uh, offices at the school. And then I would kind of teach from time to time. And then between Dr. Becker and actually Dr. Kuo, who became my other program director while I was there, they both were employed by PCOM. I've kind of followed in whatever jobs they didn't want to do as they got promoted. Um, So I ended up... um, becoming the program director, actually, after Dr. Kuo um, for PCOM's family medicine program. And then I uh, left that and ended up coming back um, uh, at PCM as the vice chair um, then. And then just kind of in some uh, teaching realms, I, I actually did a, um, uh, I got a master's in education from the University of Pennsylvania when I was, um, um, I was a, an attending for about four or five years at that point. Um, And with that, and some of the other teaching I've been doing, I was able to now be in this role now as an assistant dean, kind of handling some of the curricular integration uh, realms of stuff. And that's where I sit today. Um, Hopefully they haven't fired me yet. So I just keep trying not to.
1: Awesome. You mentioned that you really liked outpatient. Is there anything else that led you to choose to go into family medicine?
0: I just loved the idea that you really were part of their lives in all aspects of it. Um, my family doctor actually is a DO from PCOM, and uh, my aunt worked for him for like 30 something years. Uh, and we would see him at parties occasionally, and he would see my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles, as well as us and us as kids. And um, it was, I actually did a rotation there when I was a third year, and it was so neat to kind of just see that you know, you got to not only take care of them, but you also knew what was going on with their other loved ones or what was kind of here. And they always kind of checked in with you. Like, "Hmm, I got to stop and check with, his name was Dr. Brand. Like, let me check with Dr. Brand and see if uh, that's okay. And I just love that aspect of of primary care that you're just so entrenched in everything um, in their lives. And especially whether you practice in a city um, or in a more rural area, um, there's still that aspect uh, as a whole.
1: I agree. I think those patient connections and then that continuity of care—that's something I really look forward to as well. Um, how has being a member of ACOFP impacted your career?
0: Uh, tremendously. I uh, will be the first person to say I like to plan things, but I somehow just fall into stuff. Um, kind of as I said before, where I was just at a hospital day and people were like, "Hey, do you want to, uh, you know, do this?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Um, and actually, it was very similar. I was a member of the ACUFP when I was a uh, a resident and obviously a student uh, in the student at ACUFP. And um, what ended up happening was uh, I was a second or a third year. I think I was a third year resident. And uh, actually, Dr. Becker wrote to me and kind of was like, hey, there's this future leaders program uh, at the ACUFP. You should go to this. And I was like, oh. Okay, what do I have to do? He's like, ah, oh, you just apply, and, and you know we'll we'll say that you're sponsored, and my institution sponsored me, and actually myself and uh, one of my uh, fellow residents went, and I think we were the second rendition of the future leaders, uh, and honestly, from that point on, uh, everybody was so kind and so open, they like you're gonna you're gonna join a couple committees. Which committees do you want to be on, and, and we got to say which ones, and they're like, okay, you're on them now. Uh, And when I went they really asked our opinions and and really listened to us, Uh, and from that moment on I was doing things there, and then I would just meet other people and then up kind of working with Dr. Danoff and some of the education kind of things and going to the intensive update. And just these connections you made you would meet these people that I never would have met in, you know, Nevada, or Utah, California, the south, all these places. And it became like a little bit of a family. Um, I have so many friends and even like an active group chain from some of the people that we would work with uh, in the intensive update and review. And that's changed names a a couple of times as a whole. Um, But it's just been an amazing part. It's it's like my family away, away from home, so.
1: Awesome. You mentioned earlier that you liked teaching when you were a resident. Is there anything else that made you go into academic medicine and education?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things is, is the teaching aspect, but I think one of the other parts, if you think about like being an educator and, and you know, being someone who teaches others, there's so many different uh, elements in which it occurs. Like, yes, I might sit in front of you and give you some kind of training, or we might do a skills lab, and I'm going to be doing things at the bedside. You can do that in residencies, you can do that in undergraduate medical education, you know, being a teacher, all of us, I think, try to do it as physicians. What I really liked about, you know, my current position is I get to enact change on kind of a curricular level. Uh, And I've always been one of those people that if I didn't think something that I liked something or if I thought I could help, I wanted to get involved and actually do it. So this gives me that opportunity but to take it a step further, when you leave yourself from the didactic side, um, I just think it's so amazing that I get to hopefully impact someone's lives from time to time. I hopefully impact them in a good way. <laughs> but at the same time, I've always joked and said, you know, I um, maybe none of my patients listened to me uh, this morning. But if a student needed something, or if they came and asked me a question, and I was able to just make their life a little bit better, um, or I imparted some knowledge that maybe they would take and leave with that. That just makes your day that much more worthwhile. And I think one of the cool things, and and I think this is also really cool about family medicine, um, is I I, I get to interact with people that I'm not that far removed from. Yes, I'm much more gray than them, and I'm, you know, considerably older than at that point, but I, I do remember being a student. Um, So I sometimes get to kind of tell them it's going to be okay, because I think it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. But also, we get to be the type of people that in medicine, you get to see like six people do the same thing just a little bit differently. Um, And I think as family doctors, we're really good at kind of amalgamating that and then making it our own and and i think it's unique to just be that one part of somebody's kind of future as they're doing there's a bunch of attendings i know that like i've told them flat out i'm stealing what you just said if that's okay with you because i just love the way you talked about like turning the thermostat up on your kidneys or or other types of things and i um i just think that's so unique that that we get to do that
1: do you have a favorite part about academic medicine
0: it's honestly it's the students if if there weren't any students i would be so bored in my job. <laughs> um i just i love working with them um and and the residents obviously i just love the actual kind of interactions uh and the bonds that you make with them
1: is there anything that you don't like about being in education uh,
0: I mean, you could always say that grass is greeter in other places uh, as things go, but I would say the, my biggest complaint is just, you know, there's a bureaucracy side to things and, and that's whether it's education, that's whether it's, um, politics or whether it's just living life. You, all of us, I think that are at medical schools and schools in general and educators, we always want to just put what's best for a student first. Um, and we always want to just find what's the best solution. And sometimes the thing that's the best, there's a couple obstacles that we have to get around. And I think as physicians, it's kind of neat to work your way around those and figure out the problem, but it can be frustrating at times. So that that's be my biggest complaint, but that's I think that's wherever you work and whatever you do.
1: Do you still have a practice?
0: I I do. So it's not just my practice. Um, We uh, at PCOM actually have um, four healthcare centers uh, that we actually take. um, Our fourth year medical students have to do two rotations as fourth years in one of these healthcare centers. Uh, I work at the healthcare center that's on uh, campus. I used to be the medical director of it a long time ago when I first kind of started. Um, and I don't see as many, I'm not there as often as I used to be. I used to be there every day, you know, 40 hours a week at a minimum and and doing that. Uh, but I still do see patients weekly. Um, and it's kind of neat because it's a, it's a totally different aspect, um, than what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. But even then I still get to kind of teach and I get to interact and I get to kind of do some more bedside teaching than you would when you're just, you know, talking about the electron transport chain or something like that. (laughs)
1: How do you balance, you know, seeing patients with all your other responsibilities?
0: Um, I think it just kind of becomes second nature. Um, I like the I like to make sure that I have um, uh, certain times and certain points that I have to just check in with the clinical side of stuff. Mm-hmm because I know like if I'm seeing patients on Tuesdays, I'm going to get a, you know, a a dump of labs that are probably going to be coming back in the next couple of days. Uh, And it's also just being open. My patients know I'm always going to get back to them and I'm always, you know, putting them first as well. Um, But I might not just be in the office. So if they leave a message, I'll make sure I do. And I I think that's something that, you know, you have to impart in in a medical student, a resident, or even just other attendings is, In the end of the day, despite all the things that we're talking about, education and stuff, but we're we're clinicians and we're physicians, and our patients always come first. So, um, if I'm running late, I'm running late. If I I try not to schedule teaching things right after my hours because I know I'm going to be running late because I was talking to so and so or or some other type of thing. So you you just kind of find that medium between.
1: What is one thing you wish you would have known before choosing family medicine? Um, I think,
0: you know, you can't know everything, but I, I think one of the things is just how much information you're responsible for. um, And uh, it's a good thing because you know a lot and you know a little bit about a lot of things. And I think each, per, each specialty kind of has a type of personality as, as things go and you have to be able to break it down. And explain it to your patients. But at the same time, in, in all of that information, you have to, and you'll learn this in residency, and you'll learn this in, um, you know, your training that all of that information, at a certain point, you have to be kind of comfortable with the idea of saying like, I don't know, I, I don't know what that is. And that's okay to say, I don't know. I can tell you it's not these five things that are going to immediately kill you. Um, But we've got a little time to work and you have to be comfortable with that. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, we're all sometimes type A personalities in our jobs that we got to and and staying on top of things. But family medicine, especially in the outpatient world is a unique approach kind of along the lines of, all right, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to convince you to do them even though you feel completely fine. And then I'm gonna send you out to the world. And I'm gonna hope that you come back and do all the things that I asked you to do, which is a little bit different from the hospital side of things, where I can get instant results. I can stick you with a needle and I can put you uh, in the tube of knowledge the the, the CT scan <laughs> things would go um, and, and get these instant results. But in my world, um, I have to make that decision of like, where are you at? And, and it takes a little time to get comfortable with that. Um, and and that's something that you kind of learn in your practice and and you don't really realize it till you're you're in it so
1: what is one change you foresee happening in medical education
0: i, I mean i think the future's really bright um i think one of the coolest things that's going to probably continue to happen is our use of additional like training simulations and other types of aspects um even when I was a student, there were certain degrees of it, and you would do things on patients and, you know, things along, and you still do that. But I mean, there's the capability where you can create like a whole virtual world and interact with these virtual beings that you can do no harm to, but it's a great way to start talking and practicing, and you can deliver babies in this trainer, and you can then go to a peds room in this one. And... and It's never going to be exactly the same as the first time you do it on a real life patient because they're moving and yelling and doing all those things. But it's pretty close. And it's just such an interesting way to do that. And as it gets built in, it's really moving that it's being built into the first and the second years, so that now when you get to your third and your fourth year, the things that I would have seen for the first time, you've done like four of them. Um, And it just allows you to get that mastery of it so much quicker, as well as the comfortability level. And I just think that's so unique. Um, And we have such great technology now that's kind of allowing that, that we're kind of almost refocusing back to like less of the, all right, let's make sure that the didactic part is in the back of your brain to answer that multiple choice uh, question. But it's also now back to like, I know how to physically go and do this despite the fact that I also know why I need to do it and what are the things that are happening behind it. So I think it's just going to produce so much, uh, so many better physicians that I am glad that will be out there and take care of me when I have my, you know, stress-induced stroke or something like that. Then I'll, I'll see you in the ER and be like, please save me, thank you.
1: <laughs> what is one thing you would like to leave with students? Um, I,
0: would, I would just like to leave that um, you're doing well. And I hate to say, but I don't know if I don't know if they hear that enough. I I think it 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 sometimes is hard. We've we've all been there. You kind of get that first year, and you don't know what to expect, and you're kind of like, oh, I'm bright-eyed. It's like that idea before you get in the medical school, and you're like, I got in the medical school, and you're you're really proud, and it's awesome. And then you get to medical school, and you're like, what did I get myself into? This is this is nuts. And then you get comfortable, and then boards start, and then you get a little nervous and you're in your third year, and then you got to take another set, and then you got to go and you start, um, you know, for your match, and then you go into your intern, your rent, so you've got all these changes, but what I would say is you just keep doing what you're doing, and it's going to be okay, especially for the fact that I, I just feel terrible sometimes, because I feel like every decision now that a medical student encounters seems like it's, the, the earth-shattering decision the next big one like do I do this or do I do that um and do I do this and do I and if I don't do this my entire career is stopped from here I can't go on to this and and that sometimes is the case don't get me wrong but a lot of the times it isn't um and you just can't see it that way because well you're right in the thick of it um, as a whole so I would say it's gonna be okay and with that in the in the back of your mind what I would leave then would say is, try to find like a mentor. Um, Just find some. I've had great ones. I've brought two of them up. There's Dr. Becker and Dr. Kuo and Dr. Brandt and like all these people in my life that have really shaped the way that I am. And and I hope students can find somebody like that. And frankly, if you don't have anybody, you can call me. I don't care. I like talking to people. Um, and, And the reason I say that is there are people that have never experienced these things, or they don't have family members that have experienced these things, or they don't have friends that are upper years. They're just all at the same level. And it never hurts to get some other information. Um, and hey, it's just information. You're going to make the decision for yourself in the end, because that's what a good mentor is going to help you do. But at the same time, it never hurts to get a little bit more. It's what we do as physicians. We get all the data, and then we make the best calculated decision we can. So they would be my two things to leave with, because... It's stressful, but you'll be able to get through it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. So,
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me this morning. It's great to hear from you. You've worn so many hats and have such wisdom about not only family medicine, but just the medical field in general. So thank you.
0: No problem. Thank you for having me. The ACOFP Student Podcast is a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. To learn more about ACOFP, please visit www. Dot acofp.org. Looking for more resources on OMT? Visit ACOFP's OMTeaching at www.acofpomteaching.com and ask your
1: institution if they subscribe so you can have access to over 150 OMT videos and support materials.